In a world where uncertainty reigns supreme, where shadows of chaos dance at every turn, one truth emerges unyielding. Preparation is not a luxury, but a lifeline. Behold the Wellness Company, a beacon of readiness amidst the tempestuous seas of fate. Envision a sanctuary of tranquility, where the tumult of unforeseen medical crises finds no purchase. The Wellness Company's Medical Emergency Kit stands as a bastion of assurance, a fortress of resilience against the unseen foes of health. Within its sacred confines lie the tools of salvation. Ivermectin, to ward off the insidious whispers of disease. Emergency antibiotics, to quell the raging storms of infection. Antivirals, to vanquish the relentless tides of contagion and more. The Wellness Company Medical Emergency Kit is not merely a collection of supplies, it is the embodiment of preparedness itself. Crafted by the hands of esteemed healers led by luminaries such as Dr. Peter McCullough, Dr. James Thorpe, Dr. Harvey Risch, and Dr. Drew Pinsky, this kit stands as the pinnacle of safety, the zenith of prevention. These truth-seeking doctors have forged a testament to vigilance, a testament to the unwavering pursuit of well-being. Embrace the certainty that comes from being armed against adversity. Embrace the Wellness Company, for in its embrace lies the promise of resilience, the promise of a brighter tomorrow amidst the chaos of today. Don't wait for the next crisis to strike. Visit twc.health forward slash strange planet and use promo code strange planet for an exclusive 10% discount. Prepare today and rest easy tomorrow. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Richard Serrett's Strange Planet. Following the truth wherever it leads. Exposing evil and corruption and the secret machinations of powerful elites. Revealing the high strangeness beneath the surface of our supposed reality. Coming to you from the Great White North and his studio beneath the stairs. Here's Richard. And welcome once again to another episode of Strange Planet. Thanks for sticking me in your ear. On this episode, the life and teachings of master occultist Giuliano Cremeris and his hermetic healing group, the Fraternity of Miriam. And uh, to tell us all about this hermetic physician is David Pantano. He's an independent researcher, translator, historian, writer, specializing in spirituality, metaphysics, philosophy, and the initiatic practices of West and East. He's the author of The Magic Door. He lives in Toronto, and his brand new one is The Hermetic Physician, The Magical Teachings of Giuliano Cremeres and the Fraternity of Miriam, which was originally written and compiled by Marco Daffy, and David has collected these essays and translated them into English. David Pantano, welcome to the program. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you, Richard, for inviting me. I look forward to 
engaging in this conversation and um, uh, hopefully in this hour or this 45 minutes that we're together, we can shed some light uh, on this uh, very interesting character or figure known as Giuliano Kremertz and this uh, organization or um, a fraternity that he set up um, uh, in, uh, I guess, uh, in the late 1800s in the first half of the 19 uh, of the last century called the fraternity of miriam all right so before we do that you're gonna have to indulge me a little bit david and my listeners uh, we're going to require a bit of a primer on the hermetic uh, tradition and uh before i guess before we even talk about hermeticism we should talk about uh, this legendary hellenistic figure hermes uh trismegistus who I guess, from what I understand, you helped me out here, was kind of a, a combination of the uh, the Greek god Hermes. I, I would say Hermes, but my, my wife, who's Greek, would uh, cuff me upside the head. It's not Hermes, it's Hermes. Uh, and the Egyptian god Toth, right? Do I have that right? Yeah. You, you, yes, you do have that right. And it, uh, Hermeticism as a philosophical and, 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 and perhaps even more uh, correct to say, a, a theosophical uh, or, uh, movement really um, took shape uh, in around the, the third century of this uh, present era. And uh, it was uh, first originated in um, Hellenistic Egypt in Alexandria, and it spread throughout the Roman Empire. And it was cited by a number of classical authors like Plutarch and and Apuleius and uh, some of the Neoplatonists later on, like Iamblichus and Periphery, Plotinus. And uh, then I guess uh, in the West, at least, it went, uh, it went mute for a number of centuries. And um, it, we fast forward this from, I guess, the fall of Roman Empire, which is traditionally held around 464 AD to uh, 14th century Florence, so around the 1450s, um, the ruler of the um, of the city state, uh, Cos Cosimo de Medici, instruct. He was a humanist uh, scholar as well, and and benefactor of humanistic studies. He he instructed um, uh, a monk um, uh, to scour the Mediterranean looking for ancient manuscripts. And uh, this, this monk, Bernard of, of Pisa, uh, discovered uh, so, some manuscripts, 14 books, in a monastery in Ma Macedonia. And he brought it back to, uh, to, to Cosimo in, in Florence. And um, Cosimo had uh, the leading scholar of the day named Marsilio Ficino, who was translating all the uh, Greek Platonic works and works of Pla Plato and other um, uh, Neoplatonic authors. And um, Cosimo instructed uh, Marsilio Ficino, again, the leading scholar of the day, to stop the translation of the Platonic works and to uh, work on the Hermetic texts, which that was, it made a big splash. And it was believed at that time these Hermetic texts uh, um, texts were as old as Moses. That uh, they they spoke of a pre-diluvian time when when gods walked on earth and interacted with men. Um, later uh, scholars were to 
decipher and discover and validate that the texts were written around 300, but 300 uh, CE, but perhaps the information that was uh, collected was many centuries earlier. Nonetheless, the the works are are of a Gnostic um, um, current of, of thought and philosophy, uh, which looks at which uh, it, it's it's written uh, in a number in a dialogue format. So Bernard of, of Pisa found fourteen books, and in fact the Corpus Hermeticum, which is the mainstay, includes the Asclepius and the Permander, the two most famous uh, treatises. Um, they are they comprise fifteen books, and then other Hermetica miscellaneous that are mostly of astrological, magical, uh, theurgical um, uh, works are uh, are also added to the body of the Hermetic tech, uh, Hermetic works, which are the 15 books of the Corpus Hermeticum plus the Miscellanea that I talked about. Okay, so when I think of, of the Hermetic tradition, I think of things like alchemy, and, but not just you know, turning lead into gold. Uh, there's a, more, a deeper sort of metaphorical, spiritual meaning to that. Uh, so talk to me about the connection between alchemy and what it meant or what it means in terms of Hermeticism. Sure, I'd be glad to. Uh, well, al alchemy is one of the hermetic arts besides um, uh, b besides theurgy and, and magic, uh, astrology. And uh, basically, alchemy is the art of transformation. It's not only transforming physical uh, objects, but uh, spiritual inside, the, the inner transformation. And the, so the, 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 Central text or, or uh, theorem of, of Hermeticism is as above, so it is below. So the operations that are ha that occur on a physical level have a correspondence in a metaphysical level, and vice versa. So the Hermeticist looks at nature for its laws to understand that, so they can transform itself internally. So the gold that um, in in the that written in the various hermetic texts about transforming lead to gold, metaphorically, not only in, in a physical sense, but more importantly, in a spiritual sense. The, the, the lead that, uh, the dross that um, encompasses most humans to transform that into gold. And, and it's determined up to the operator how to define those terms, those two antipodes. Right. And then I guess cosmologically, um, the, the, uh, the tradition ascribes creation to the all, the one, the creator. Is it is it pantheistic? Is all things are God and God is all things? Or explain the, the philosophy. No, um, it's uh, the the Hermetic texts actually prefigure or not prefigure, but they they speak of a monotheism. And they th and they they speak of the one God and their various representatives. It doesn't talk so much of a fall. It talks about uh, man transforming or emanating from a spiritual realm into a physical realm as an act of love from God, in the sense that th those men that can experience life not only in the spiritual sense now can uh, can experience life in the physical aspect as well and the the four bodies that uh, 
uh, that Aristotle that Aristotle talk about as being the elements of 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 life are the four bodies that a human can uh, experience. Other rather a divine can only experience things in a in a more ethereal manner. So it, it's it in many ways it prefigures Christianity because it talks about a one God. Uh, the the creation myth though is different because it doesn't talk so much of a fall of man into into the four into the into the three dimensions of time space and causality. It it actually says it was an act of of love from from the creator uh, himself or him or herself uh, as as to have a greater fulfillment of the human potential. All right. Uh, the Emerald Tablet. What is the Emerald Tablet? The Emerald Tablet is another uh, another writing that uh, was attributed to Hermes. It wasn't part of the uh, the Corpus Hermeticum, those fifteen books. Uh, it was discovered uh, in the Middle East many centuries uh, by 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 various Arab uh, scholars uh, many centuries after the Hermetic texts were first uh, available in the Mediterranean. And it's basically the credo of Hermeticism. And it talks about, as I mentioned earlier, as above, so it is below. Um, and it, it, it provides the guidelines in, in, a, po in a poetic fashion of the, the aspects of Hermeticism that, that uh, the operator needs to be aware of in the sense of integrating themselves to, to reach those levels of, of emancipation. Uh, again, however you, however that's defined, and however that's contextualized uh, among the school and the oper and the operator themselves. Is there any connection between Hermeticism and Freemasonry? The well, Hermeticism prefigured a Freemasonry, which was basically uh, a Freemasonry. You you have your your operative and then your speculative. So the operative was the the uh, the stone builders of uh, of the medieval times, and also the Collegia Roma, uh, the Collegium Fabrum after the fall of Rome, and really uh, in in sixteen fourteen in the um, in the in in England in London where the um, the, the the leaders of the operative um, guilds of masonry formed this formed what we know. Mason of Masonry today, there in the development of Freemasonry in the various branches, and more so in continental Europe than in than in the British Isles, that Masonry started to conjoin with Hermeticism, and there are a number of different branches, and some of them specifically tie into Kremerts, where the an Egyptian type of Masonry. Uh, developed uh, in the in the 1700s, which were the school was a precursor to Kremert School, where they was the focus was less on on uh, on uh, on on the um, the 33 degrees of the Scottish Rite, and more on the Hermetic uh, ideals as propounded in the Hermetic texts. And and I've read where Hermeticism. Um, during the Renaissance, advanced scientific knowledge uh, and to the point where, I don't know if this is true, but perhaps even Sir Isaac Newton was, um, I mean, I know that he 
was a supposedly a Bible-believing Christian, but it's also suggested that he was influenced by Hermeticism. Is that true? Yes, there there are a number in um, in Newton's um, uh, notebooks uh, references to alchemical experiments and 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 his correspondence letters to um, various me members of alchemical circles that were operating in England at that time indicate that he had a very deep de deep knowledge and practice of the practical aspects of Hermeticism, specifically with alchemy, and it does seem to fit into his worldview um so there wasn't he didn't have a one side where he practiced alchemy and then a rational side where he practiced science the two combined and 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 there was a synthesis or synergy among the two from the best of my knowledge and and reading of of newton and and newton was at that time just one of many other distinguished scholars in england who um were practicing and studying alchemy and hermeticism. It, it was very much a, um, a, a means to open up uh, the minds and to, and to uh, develop faculties internally that help with creation. And because and, hermeticism has very much an incarnational thrust to it. What do you mean it's by Not that? just a ethereal philosophy that begins and ends with words. It, so to, for the operator and the, the operator themselves are the subject and the object of, of the experiments. So for them to, for the operator to actually validate whether they're on the right path, then they need some, some guidelines. So they need some ability to see how they've changed, how they've transformed and going through really the three degrees, which is the, the, the negrido, the black, the albedo, the white, and the rubedo or the red, which is um, the ad adept, adepthood in terms of alchemy again which is uh the integration with your higher self or your principle okay so let's talk about magic and and um what what did magic or what does magic mean in the hermetic tradition well it can mean a lot of things there isn't one specific definition i i my working knowledge of magic is that it's most basic because magic is just applied intelligence Applied, applied metaphysics. So uh, it's understanding physical laws, metaphysical laws, how the two combine. It's very much an experimental um, uh, praxis and mindset to be able to affect change. And uh, sometimes the, you know, the, the, the shortest distance between two points is a straight line. The others is it, it, you need a more convoluted and much more uh, in-depth um, uh, means to make change. So that, that's how I look at, at magic as, as applied intelligence. So it, it didn't involve incantations, spells, or potions? It can. Huh. It not, doesn't necessarily have to. Uh, it doesn't necessarily have to. There's a dry path and the wet path. And the dry path is much more intellectual, much more you transform yourself internally and you'll see changes externally. Uh, and those summer follow much again, depending on the individual, more of a wet path that require that follows more of a ceremonial component with some of the uh, utensils and and the paraphernalia that you just mentioned. All right, we're going to take a time out. When we come back, we'll get into uh, the magical teachings of Giuliano 
Cremeris and the Fraternity of Miriam David Pantano is my guest. The book is The Hermetic Physician. Back with more of our conversation in a few minutes. Don't go away. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. At Grand Canyon University, we believe in equal opportunity. And the American dream starts with purpose. Whether your pursuit involves a bachelor's, master's, or doctoral degree, GCU's learning environments are designed for supportive networking and collaboration. With over 330 academic programs, GCU provides a path to help you fulfill your dreams. The pursuit to serve others is yours. Find your purpose at GCU. Private. Christian. Affordable. Visit gcu.edu. The truth will set you free. 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 But first, it will really tick you off. Welcome back to Richard Serrett's Strange Planet. All right, and uh, we are back. David Pantano is with us, the hermetic physician. That's the book right there. And uh, David is an independent researcher, translator, historian, writer, specializing in spirituality, metaphysics, philosophy, and the initiatic practices of West and East. Previously, he authored The Magic Door. And uh, this time... He's, uh, I guess, taken the um, um, essays. Are, th these are essays uh, by Marco Daffy, uh, alias Marco Daffy, and then you have collated them, collected them, and translated them into English. So, uh, who is, or was, I should say, Giuliano Cremeris? Okay, great. Um, uh, before I, I, I dive into that, I just want to say that the book Hermetic Physician is just published today. It's just been released. Fantastic. So you can, you Timing can pick, is great. pick that up um, at wherever you're, you you buy your books online or, or in the bookstore. Um, Kramertz, Juliano Kramertz was, is uh, recognized by scholars, people in the know as the preeminent uh, hermeticist initiate uh, in the Italian, contemporary Italian world. Uh, he um, was... His timelines, he was born in 1861. He died in 1930. He founded a school called the Therapeutic Magical Fraternity of Miriam. And it was basically uh, a school that practiced hermetic medicine. And uh, the, the, the reason or the, one of the, the rationale for, for applying medicine or the med med practice of magic towards medicine, it was the one that, uh, it, it was the one discipline that least um, exercised one's ego or self-inflation. It was the practice that uh, allowed individuals to develop a selflessness and to um, help, really help society. So there's very much a benevolent component behind the purpose and the rationale for forming the Miriam. The Miriam was set up, um, as I mentioned, in the, in the mid 1890s. And it was a time in, in, 
in Italy, specifically Naples, where Kremers was from, where there was a cholera outbreak. So not that dissimilar to the pandemic that we've just come out. And so Kremers thought, and Kremers um, uh, belonged to a school um, that, as I talked about, we talked about earlier, but that was was essentially uh, allied with the Egyptian uh, current of Freemasonry. And in one of the inner circles called the Egyptian order, they practice this type of medicine. And uh, uh, one of Kremer's teachers was a, uh, a fellow by the name of Izar. And uh, Izar uh, was very highly developed uh, with um, hermetic medicine. And he taught apparently Kremer's a lot of these teachings and Kremer's as well went and overseas and, and received a diploma, uh, a degree in medicine as well. So he had both the occult and the, and the I guess, common practice of medicine. And uh, basically he, he founded this um, uh, fraternity um, uh, based on, there were five grades and the two highest grade was the uh, master Miriam and the therapeutic Miriam. So the therapeutic medium had to show that they um, had developed certain knowledge and abilities to be able to heal. And the healing was done not so much in the individual component, but as part of a magnetic chain. So one of the schools that Kramers uh, in his younger days that he went to was schools, uh, specifically those in France that practice mesmerism and magnetism uh, to um, working on energetic uh, components um, to be able to transfer energy from a healthy individual to those who are, who are in need or sick. So it was basically um, uh, founded with um, on hermetic principles, but the application was for healing and therapeutics. Uh, and um, it, I mean, you were describing like an sounded like an energy transference. It, it almost sounds a little bit like Reiki. I, yeah, I, I suppose it does sound like Reiki. The difference, though, it's a lot more from what... So Reiki has its various symbols um, that, that are used that the practitioner has. There, there are five symbols in, in, in Reiki as well. Uh, as well. In, the, in the Kremerian uh, order of, of Miriam, there's various um, rituals that are involved that include aspects such as fasting, uh, various rituals that occur at the phases of the moon um, and as well um, at various um, celestial intervals. So it's not just basically um, uh, working on, on, on magnetic energy, though even though that is a component, there's a deeper or theurgical aspect. So as Daffy writes, the fraternity of Mer Miriam has two components. The fraternity is the human side. The human side that looked at healing not only from the energy transfer, but also from um, f physical aspects. And, and that doesn't exclude uh, do common doctors. Then there's a Miriam, which is a theurgical, the divine aspect, is the, the, um, the, 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 matri the matriarchal archetype and reaching a plane of purity that the individual and the chain to be able to tap into the source of that pure energy to be able to transfer that. And depending on, again, as I mentioned, on various celestial and lunar configurations, their rituals develop to uh, facilitate that transfer of 
the benign energy to the type of energy that's uh, after been diagnosed uh, that could benefit the um, the uh, afflicted individual. And are, are there are there what might appear to be outwardly miraculous he- uh, healings that have been attributed to either Giuliano Cremeritz or any member of the fraternity of Miriam? Um, Kremeritz always stated the, the work that was done in the Miriam was of this world and not of that world, even though the, the source, the, 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 through the prayers and the rituals was to attain a certain le- a level, a, a degree, a plane higher than what, what's commonly, uh, attributed, but the, the channeling of energy was of this world. So he said that not to, to not to boast or talk about any healings or any type of relief of pain or symptoms of sickness as miracles, even though it didn't exclude that that could occur, that the, he wanted this Miriam to be very much a uh, empirical based, scientifically based um, practice, much like Christian science was uh, in the previous century where, um, and, and there were a number of experiments that Kremers would do when he went to the various academies that he set up, where he showed where an individual who tried to uh, e- exercise uh, themselves individually ha- had limitations, whereas when he did it in concert with a chain of other individuals, his capacity to exercise his goal was was greater. So he had a number of... You, Kermers came from very much a, an era where positivism was very strong in the sense that you had to prove it wasn't good enough just to, to write some fancy words. So, and, and he always said that don't take anything that he says or write for word. It has to be demonstrated. So there is very much a strong uh, positivistic component to the, to the Miriam, even though internally or within the rituals, it has that component that, um, smells of, of mysticism. David, we'll take another time out. We'll come back and continue to discuss the hermetic physician, the magical teachings of Giuliano Cremeres and the fraternity of Miriam. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. You just take your shot. It doesn't feel like you're on a diet. What I wasn't expecting it to do was to shut off the food noise. This was life-altering, and if I can do it, I feel like anybody can do it. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. The truth goes through three stages. First, it is ridiculed. Second, it is violently opposed. Third, it is accepted as self-evident. Self-evident. You're listening to Richard Serrett's Strange Planet. 
And we're back. The Hermetic Physician, David Pantano, is with me. That's the book out today, in fact. Uh, or, well, a few days ago by the time this, uh, this goes to, uh, this uh, podcast is published. So, um, the, the, the fraternity, the Miriam fraternity, I mean, what, I think you mentioned that he, that he, was, he built this school. I mean, at its zenith, how influential was this fraternity? Were there Miriam hospitals? Were there Miriam <laughs> universities in Italy? That was actually Kramer's goal, was that, uh, that he would build this foundation that could, could actually develop um, her- hermetic uh, schools and hermetic uh, clinics that not working as miracle makers, but actually in conjunction with official medicine to provide, to go farther where um, empirical medicine stops. And that is the consoling of the afflicted person, the, the channeling of energy, the, the, the rays of hope and, 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 and the various means of, 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 of taking care of, of, of afflicted persons for those who felt abandoned. But that never transpired. And Daffy writes in his books that um, part of the impediment uh, for the Miriam not achieving its potential was the structure that Kremritz had set up a, uh, an organization, an order based on Masonic grades. And that hierarchy, what it introduced, rather than focusing on selfless treatments or selfless transmission of this therapeutic energy, that the the leaders of the various chapters of the chains actually took on themselves as miracle makers. And it was focusing on themselves and their ability to, to, to change people's lives. And, and the focus of the Miriam really went, really, you know, took a 180 degree turn from what um, uh, Kremert's original plan was. So uh, he, he's in Italy, obviously. Mm-hmm. How did the Catholic Church and how does the Catholic Church view Hermeticism, and how did it specifically uh, view the work of Giuliano Cremeris? Well, the the Catholic Church, uh, the 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 Miriam was very much a reserved organization. They weren't out publicizing their um, their services, uh, their capabilities. It was very much a reserve. Somebody knew somebody. Somebody was in bad shape, and and they brought someone to to somebody who said they could help. So the, the there was the the although the the Miriam was the the preeminent in the initiatic uh, esoteric order in Italy comparable to what the Golden Dawn was in, in English speaking countries, it's it did a good job for the most part to stay under the radar of the Catholic Church, which which probably would have uh, of you know uh, would it would have impeded its development. What the the forced the Miriam, the chapters to close down was in the 1920s when the fascists came to power and they were very anti-Masonic and they uh, associated uh, the Miriam, although it wasn't a Masonic group, it, but it was a, 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 an esoteric or a hermetic order that with, with masonry that um, um, a, a, number, a number of the chapters of the Miriam and most of them, in fact, all of them, ended up uh, closing down because of the threats of uh, intervention from fascist squads. So did the, the fraternity of Miriam die uh, under Mussolini's watch? 
it didn't necessarily die, Richard. It went more underground. So uh, Kremerts died. So Mussolini was in power from 22 to 45. Kremerts, um, by this time when Mussolini came in power, was already living abroad in France, just across the border in Monaco. And But he was still directing the various ch uh, chapters. The Rome chapter uh, closed at about 1925. The one in Barry... Uh, a, a year or two earlier and um, the leaders of the chapters they went basically they still uh, they went underground in the sense there were no formal meetings and but there were there were still some um, practices that were going on in a very much a, a, a individual and a collective small groups to to continue the practices and the writings and the various internal manuscripts were still circulated among the members at their height, the it's estimated the Miriam in the in the 20s probably had uh, six to seven hundred members. Some of them then were were influential in in society as well. Uh, one of them was the Baron Richardelli, whose alias is Marco Daffy, was one of the richest landowners in Italy of that time, and uh, he came across the teachings of Kremerts and met Kremerts uh, a few times. And um, he was noted for his, his psychic abilities and um, uh, his uh, really his erudite knowledge of hermeticism and um, uh, and esoterism and esotericism in general. Uh, so you uh, researched this, and you again have collected Daffy's essays on um, on Kermerts. Kremerts, rather, and uh, then you've translated. So how did you find out about Marco Daffy and his essays? Yeah, I, I found out from um, Giuliano Kremerts uh, probably in the 1980s. And there are a number of authors that I ha had some familiar interest in, Julius Evola being one, one of them, who would re reference. And I thought this is a strange individual. And I, by that time, I was already into Hermeticism through the works of Marsilio Ficino. And um, I, I those days before internet, uh, you had to order by fax or by mail. And I ordered a couple of Kremert's books and just blown. It was just like really interesting. It was like a continuation of what I was reading from Marsilio Ficino uh, in terms of, um, you know, Ficino talked about you you know, using music as a means to raise your spirit. If you have a specific melancholic predisposition, that is you're under the influence of Saturn, you can counteract it with uh, Venus and with, with Apollo, which is music. So Kremerts had a similar, there was a continuity to that uh, Renaissance era hermeticism that I was interested in. And I came across Marco Daffy's book in Italian and it was just blown away by his in-depth, his, his, his the erudition of his knowledge and the in-depth understanding of, of, the, of the internal workings of the Miriam and, and of the, some of the more arcane doctrines that um, Kremerts espoused. So to me, it was like, this is something just not a biography, another, you know, haloed spiritual leader. This is someone who actually understood and had firsthand knowledge of the workings of the Miriam, of its potential, and unfortunately of its uh, inhibiting factors that didn't allow it to, to fully blossom in the way Kremerts envisioned.
You mentioned when you first learned about Kremertz, you thought this is a very strange fellow. What was strange about him? He wrote in a in a in a very cabalistic manner, in the sense um, uh, the the French would call it a rabelais. He he wrote he 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 writes in a very his if you read his works, it's very difficult to translate because there's so much innuendo. It requires a knowledge that these days are, are is really difficult to find a classical knowledge of authors and. And um, and and subject matter, mythopoetic that is just not common, and his ability to to be able to um, divulge the meanings of various type of, of philosophies and and um, doctrines that go beyond what normally is understood for them to be, is an example of a, of a mind that's just not of is in this world, but not of this world. And that's what I characterize about Kremers. It was a challenge to read. It's just not something you can flip page and read overnight. You had to reread it many times. Uh, and he, I hear this even from Italian speakers that, you know, it's just difficult he, because he is so, there's so many different levels to to the um, the works, the doctrines that he's espousing because he, he realizes that he's, his readership is a various level. Some are, beginners and they're not they're going to understand the most most literal truth of what is being explained and then there are others who are maybe adepts or initiates where there's an internal meeting there's a there's a solar and a lunar component lunar being what you can receive and the solar being that what you you've been able to absorb and actually can create and that's really interesting why don't you take a few moments and maybe share some of these literal truths uh, coming from Cromerts that you think are particularly powerful. Well, that's that's really that's really difficult question to put on. Um, I can I can go over um, through his major works that um, what I find impressive. So Cromerts wrote about twenty books in total and a number of different essays and and texts and so forth. And his first, his first works that uh, that appeared that even preceded his organization, the Miriam, was was called the um, Secret World or is Il Mondo Sola, Il, Il Mondo Secreto. And in that point, that work expounds both divine and natural magic, and some of what I've talked about earlier. Natural being what the mesmerists would call is is it has to do with physical magnetism and and the magnetism between. You know the 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 moon, uh, the the moon and and the water element on on Earth and so on. And then he goes into divine magic that talks about an aeonic component and and the ability for for man to be able to go inside themselves to get to get outside of themselves to to raise their their conscious or their 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 inner being to a, a level that is able to converse with with this divine realm. And that exposition got him in trouble with some of the more conservative elements of the esoteric world of Italy and the Egyptian world because he was they were saying he was you know throwing uh, pearls to the to 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 the pigs because this is the information you just don't give out so he created a number of enemies uh, in the esoteric world because of his over exposure of doctrines that should have in their eyes, in the eyes of the the more conservative elements, should have remained secret in the the patrimony of of initiates. 
And then his other book talks about the angels and demons of love, which is an interesting take on the art of love and, and, um, and looking at uh, the perversity of humans in terms of perverse love can lead to a bestial, uh, into bestial outlets and the, and pure love can lead to a divine. So it's, it's very much in the line of if you read Marsilio Ficino or any of the Dante or any of the um, uh, poets of love that you can, it's really contextualized within that area, but it's written 400 years after. But it's modern. The language he uses combines both Renaissance, medieval, and also modern language, which is really an interesting synthesis, I find. And then he wrote a, a book on the uh, on the um, uh, hermetic medicine, which espoused his principles for hermet for hermetic practice. Uh, and then he wrote a book on the hermetic door, which is a dialogue that uh, he sort of sort of self autobiographical in in the sense that he's debating other members who some follow are more of a Chris, uh, Christian dogmatic uh, stance, others follow a Buddhist stance, and and they say, well, you Kremerts are you know, you espouse dead and ancient uh, philosophy of magic that is discredited. And Kremerts, or the pseudonym he uses, says, well, let, I'll let you know that I'm by no means a proponent of dead. I've come here to, to among the living to teach the living. So things of that nature are just interesting stuff that is very unique and creative. It doesn't fall into your regular spiritual or even new age type of of context and and language the language is very sophisticated and very mythopoetic um and then there he had some of the secret texts the corpus um what is what was never meant for published but actually was published about 40 years ago and the um known as the corpus where he talks about some of the more internal um practices and it's debated whether it's all what's been written in these three books are, are of his or others. And it, there are some more, um, um, I guess, outrageous components or, or um, components in talks about um, aspects of uh, sex magic and so on that, um, that are part of the, those texts as well. Is there a, um, a, Ju a modern day Giuliano Kremeritz, uh, and, and what of contemporary hermeticism? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I think, I mean, Kremeritz is very much one of a kind in the sense that his writing style was just so unique. Um, however, I do think in terms of a chain or, or of the of initiative of, of that level, and maybe not of the same caliber, but of that level would be Marco Daffy, the actual author of the work and that Daffy again, he totally um, is explicit. He's a follower of Kremerts, but he's not a syncophant. He doesn't, he, he challenges Kremerts. He even, you know, um, dis disputes with him and refutes a lot of some of what uh, he's written about, but always with a deep respect that, you know, Kremerts was the reason why he's, He's writing uh, the, this type of material is through Kremerts. Um, so I would say Kremer, uh, Marco Daffy was definitely after um, the decease of uh, the passing of Kremerts, probably the initiate of that level who could talk about 
and write about in a in a in depth and understanding of the various uh, theoretical and practical components of hermeticism. And then after uh, Marco Daffy, there was a, an initiate uh, who just recently passed uh, last year, named John Maria, who I was in in touch with. He was a um, a collaborator with Marco Daffy from the late 40s until Daffy's death in 1960s. And he took uh, Hermeticism to another level. It was less about the, the ceremony rituals. It was more about being present, more about the um, the mind or the self as as Mercury, as the as the uh, the Athenor or the vase that needs to be um, uh, worked with your energies to be able to 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 get trans to transform yourself uh, according to the Emerald Tablets, the principles of the Emerald Tablet. So yeah, I would say those two that I just mentioned, uh, again, di di much different than Kramertz. And you could argue whether it's the same caliber. At a certain point, it's all subjective. But they definitely took the Hermeticism and wrote, wrote about it in in-depth and, and using modern scientific and psychological language to be able to connect uh, with readers today. Is there anything I haven't asked you about uh, either Hermeticism or Kremertz that you think is important to uh, tell my listeners? Yeah, no, I, I would just say, uh, I think what really di uh, differentiates Richard, uh, Miriam and Kremertz from most of the work that you see on Hermeticism and, and New Age or or the occult and esoteric uh, today is that this tradition comes sui generis, which means it comes from that channel that we just talked about earlier from Egypt to Greece to Florence. And it sort of continued with that uh, in that, in that vein. So it, it's, it's not, you know, talking about, you know, things that you would basically find in your generic uh, esoteric or new age work. It's very much a part of a tradition, a branch within a tradition that has deep roots. So for the, the listener, the reader who really enjoys Hermeticism based on the works of Hermes, based on Renaissance Hermeticism of Ficino, Giordano Bruno, Robert Flood, um, uh, so, some of the others like Sendivogius, Count St. Germain, some of those um, uh, uh, figures and writers, they're looking to be able to um, connect with works that that are of that elk then i would recommend the kramertz and and the miriam as as a some as an area to look into to that you'll be surprised that that tradition didn't die out with the coming of descartes and the rational revolution it went underground and and i talk about that in my other book the magic door that um there was a school uh in naples around the 1600s that challenged Descartes in terms of, you know, truth is everything that can be perceived through the physical senses. Well, the, the school led by uh, um, Jean-Baptiste Jean Vico, he wrote the new science, said, truth is that what, what you can make. Verum is factum. Truth is what can be made. So it's not about perceiving things, which is very much a lunar you only can validate what you see with your, what you perceive with your senses, but truth is what you can create. So it's a solar component. You, it's like, it's like projecting a rays of creation. 
which is a much higher version of truth than basically just what comes through this, the five senses. For you personally, what is, how has Hermeticism changed your life? <laughs> well, I'm a researcher, so uh, I'm sure it's changed my, my life more ways than, than, than I'd be able to describe. Uh, again, I, I'm a researcher, and a researcher, you, you look, you investigate um, the material in an objective manner. I think it just broadened my knowledge. Again, it made a connection to a body of work that I thought died out uh, in, you know, in the, in, in the pre-Cartesian world, that there is still a current and, and of high-quality material of practices and of, and of doctrines and of works that um, raises man, that raises your spirits to the levels that they talk about. So the ability of this material to, to grab, to fascinate you and to transform and open your mind is hermetic in itself. You know, hermetic means it's things that are closed to, this, to the external world. And when you're able to do that, you're able to generate your own heat. And from the heat comes the light. And from the light comes the filament of illumination. Final question, David. Why is Hermes Trismegistus on top of the Manitoba Provincial Legislature? There's a, there's a statue of him on top. The, the answer to that is, why isn't it on top of this legislature of all the other provinces? <laughs> Great answer. It should be. It's, that's where it should be. The caduceus. So I mentioned uh, in my book is, how do you describe uh, Giuliano Caramertz? And to me, um, what comes to mind is a cipher that's, that's passed on to the initiates of the Miriam. And it goes something like this. When the Miriam, when the Maria is exalted, the two serpents of the Caduceus begin to copulate and balance each other, whereby the Ibis rises and takes flight. So something to think about and try to make sense of. And that, to me, describes who and what is Giuliano Kremeritz. All right. Well... You've got your cipher, listeners. You can get to work on that. <laughs> David, what a delight. Great meeting you. I learned a lot. Thank you so much for this. Awesome. Great. Thanks for having me, Richard. Richard Serrett's Strange Planet drops every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Subscribe at strangeplanetpodcast.com.